Welcome to the Superhero of Love podcast. I am Bridget Fonger, and I wrote a book called Superhero of Love, Heal Your Broken Heart, and Then Go Save the World. My book is all about helping people love and be loved more than ever. I believe we all have a superhero of love inside of us. Yes, even you, superhero. And in this podcast, I talk to people who are all about helping us all tap into that superhero. May this episode make a difference for your heart. Let's get this party started. Ah, speaking of dogs. My dog gets very excited and he also is our guard dog. So he, every single time that somebody walks by, he gets, uh, he gets very protective. Oh my gosh, what's your dog's name? This is Tallulah and it's only that nobody's walking by right now, otherwise she'd be the same way. What's her name? OG. After um, Krispy Kreme donut glazed, it's my favorite donut. But when he was little, he was literally the size of an original glazed donut. And all he would do was go in a circle and then plop down and he'd be like curled up like a little, like a little donut. I want to name him Donut. I was like, I want to get rid of that. So then I named him OG. <laughs> that is fantastic. Oh my gosh, that is the fucking greatest story of a dog's name too. Oh my God. Okay, so superheroes, we are here with the obviously hilarious <laughs> but also incredibly kick-ass and wise Deja Riley. Um, Deja, and am, I, and am I saying your name correctly, first of all? Okay, Deja, okay. All right, and I love that your name, your full name is Deja Ney, right? Yes. Oh my gosh, and you said that right, too. Right, and I love that because I think of you, like I was watching your videos, I was obviously cyber-stalking you, I was listening to your videos, and I was like, oh my God, she's such an old soul, because like you're so mature, you're more mature in, in some ways than I am, and I'm sure that I'm like three times your age, and, and, and I was just like, oh my God, and Dejanay means already born, so it's like, oh yeah, old soul. <laughs> Yes. I actually don't think my parents knew that when they named me. Actually, um, they were kind of at warring for names with my, um, my aunt and uncle. And they named my older cousin, because I only have one female cousin on my dad's side. And, uh, well, I have two. But my, my one female cousin that's just above me, she, her name's Janae. And they wanted to name me Janae, but she was born first. So she, so they got to take the name. And then, so my parents were like, okay, well, then we're going to just name her Dejanet. <laughs> oh my God, that's such a great story. Yeah, so. I love it. Names, lots of names today. Oh my God. So she's, she's also an old soul though, as is evidenced by her name. She was a Laker girl. She had a band with her sisters, the Riley Band. She's been a dancer for Beyonce, Britney Spears, Katy Perry, Trey, Long, Trey Songs, and Lady Gaga. But right now, she is really out there kicking ass. And when I say kicking ass, listen to her, listen to her mission statement. To empower and encourage others to live a healthy and happy life focused on the mind, the body, and the soul. There is no one-size-fits-all path to self-wellness, and I want to help you discover the path that's right for you. And so I was like, oh my God, she's kicking ass. And I was like, in other words, the mind has an ass, which we know we have an ass in our minds, right? 
<laughs> the body has an ass and we know we're always trying to get our ass to the proper form. And then your soul also has an ass, which we, we can talk about. And <laughs> so you are kicking ass body, mind, and soul at what I've decided that you are. That's what you're out there doing. And you're also kicking ass right now. The reason I was like wanting to get you on the podcast right away, Alicia Easter, who was on the podcast a few, a couple weeks ago, she told, she was like, do you know Deja Riley? And I was like, no, I don't know Deja Riley. Please. Immediately. I looked you up and I was like, please, please, please. I want to talk to her <laughs> because I love what you're out there doing in the fitness community, being a voice, but also just in, in general and transformation, like I said, with body, mind, and soul. So I'm so happy you're here at this juncture in time because you're kicking ass in creating more allies in the world, I feel like. And I want to talk about allyship and how we can be better allies today. Um, so, but first, can we talk about, because something recently happened with Louise Hazel with Black Women in Fitness. Yes, 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 yes. So uh, Louise actually reached out to me and a couple of uh, some of her other girlfriends um, and basically said she was going to write an open letter to the fitness industry, to the health and wellness industry in general. And I was like, this is a magnificent idea. How can I be a part? Let me know what I can do. How can I use my platform? Um, and so she is basically letting me know like all of the things that she wanted to tackle. Um, she definitely wanted to get this open letter out there and she wanted it to be signed by, you know, other black women in the health and wellness industry, um, but also supported by the fitness industry and the health and wellness industry in general. So um, it's a letter that we've been pushing for about a week now. Um, we already got, I think, 120 signatures, which was really, really awesome. Um, we're actually having a, a team meeting sometime this week to just kind of talk about our plan of action. But, you know, basically our, our general message is to, you know, support Black women in general, but specifically for us, you know, with her being an Olympian and with me being a fitness host and fitness professional. Um, Wait, let's, let's interrupt and tell them. So it's because I didn't know who she was previously, and I'm so sorry I didn't know who she was, but Louise oh, Hazel, Olympian, a uh, heptathlete. I just know that she does seven, seven different events within one. So she's judged on seven, di seven, seven different events. Um, and she also owns her own gym. I think it's the first female gym in Hollywood, if I'm saying that right. It's called the Slay Gym. She is also like an incredible force um, in this industry and just in general. She's a powerful woman. Proud to call her one of my sisters. And she, she created this thing that I think in general, she just wanted to like get out the, the word about all of the disadvantages that we have as black women um, in this industry. Um, and so she spoke about a, a couple of different things in the letter. And I, I think for me, like the most powerful part was like fair representation. Um, what a lot of people may not recognize about the fitness industry is that you don't see a lot of people that look like us. Um, you, you may even see some males that are, that are black, uh, but seeing black women in fitness and in health and wellness is rare. Um, we find each other. So I think that's how like Ace and I got linked up and we got linked up through one of our sisters who's, uh, her, her name is Tiff McPherson. And then, you know, Luis and I got like linked up because we happened to be two of the only black people, not even just black women, but black people at an, uh, an event that we were both teaching at. And we saw each other, like we missed each other. Like I was going up the stairs, she was coming down the stairs and we're like, wait a second, 
stop right there. You look like me, let's connect. Um, and so wow. you know, from there, we just kept in touch and we're you know, uh, actively supporting each other through this movement. And yeah, it's something that's really exciting. It's something that I'm super passionate about. And I hope that everybody goes to read the open letter. Yes, and where can they go to read that open letter? You can go to theslaygym.com. Okay, great. Um, and I'll put that in the podcast notes. And one of the things that moved me about it was inclusion does not mean equality. Okay. Like that's, it's like, uh, you know, that is, I, I lump that all into, I'm always talking about how I was kind of lulled into a sleep about racism by the Obama presidency, right? <laughs> so yeah. I felt like uh, we're cool you know, we're good, uh, and uh, did not understand that it was just all simmering right under the surface. And, uh, you know, I've lived in just basically, I lived in, Ber in LA, Berkeley, New York, and then back to LA. So I've never been, and, uh, you know, and I was talking, I wrote an article last week about, I, I, I almost married a black man, we drove across the country even, and I don't remember having any experience of, of racism. I think that we just like lucked out or something. I don't know. So, so I've, my whole life, I've been kind of lulled to sleep, but um, this inclusion, so in other words, we're raising the bar now, obviously, um, I just read how to be an anti-racist, right? Like not being a racist, that was the bar before. And I was holding that bar. I just want to confess, I was holding that fucking bar. That is such a low bar. And I was just like, oh, I can barely lift it. It's right down here. But, you know, so how to, how to be an anti-racist, raising it up, but inclusion does not mean equality. I think that's such a great anthem also. Yeah. It's very powerful. I mean, I think oftentimes, you know, it's so easy to think, oh, well, there's a black person in the room. So, you know, it, we're fine. We're diverse, you know? Right. Um, and for us, it doesn't necessarily mean that. Oftentimes we're forced into this position of being like the black poster child for whatever we're, we're representing. And that, that makes us feel uncomfortable when we don't have any support in the room, when we don't have anybody else that looks like us, that thinks like us, that moves like us, like, it, it, it kind of leaves us as like fish out of water. Right. And so, um, yeah, that, that statement really is very, very strong that inclusion does not mean equality. We need positions of leadership. We need to be heard. We need to be seen. Like oftentimes I would, I was just having a conversation with a friend this morning and, you know, oftentimes we're fed the script. We're told exactly what the brand or whatever, whoever we're collaborating with wants from us. And then we're forced to deliver that as the token black person or one or two black people for the project. Um, and so, you know, for them, that's like inclusion. They're letting us, you know, be in the room. Look, we let you in the door, right? That's enough. Again, the fucking low bar. Yeah. Um, you have brands that, so, so I didn't really, really officially finish with your, th your, your with your, um, with your introduction. I did a really botched job oh, on your introduction. <laughs> there's so many, there's so many damn things to hit. Um, so, so, uh, but she has a workout method called dance out of the box and she's a host on pop sugar. Um, and she has her own YouTube channel. So you can, you can, uh, work out with Deja basically any minute of the day by just going to, uh, pop sugar and to her YouTube channel. Um, yeah. but as a leader in the fitness industry, you have brands that 
support you. So, so have you been talking to those brands? I'm interested in those conversations. What conversations are going down with your brands? Yeah, I would have to say, and I don't want to call anybody out, but I will, I will say those conversations have been very tough. I think um, a little bit frustrating because, you know, it's so hard to like explain to someone how you're feeling when for so long feelings have been kind of knocked out of the workplace and they're like, you know, you don't bring your emotions to work, you know? And so it's very hard um, trying to not cross those lines of like, this is business. It's not personal because this, this issue and these racial injustices and the police brutality and just racism in general, it's very personal for us yeah. as people. So, you know, it's very hard not to cross into that line of talking about emotions when you're talking to, you know, a business. Um, I think for me, like I've stood very strong and I've, I've, I consider myself to be privileged in that sense that like, I do have a lot of brands that want to collaborate with me so I can pick and choose, but I do know for, you know, some of my brothers and sisters, they don't necessarily have those liberties. Um, they can't necessarily pick and choose different brands that they want to work with because maybe only a handful uh, is reaching out to them or mm -hmm. is willing to collaborate with them. So I plan on continuing to use my platform so that I can pave the way and open up the door wider for more of us. Um, and when I, when I reach out to these brands and I'm having these, these discussions with these brands, I'm saying that, you know, I'm, I'm very clear about this is not about right now. This isn't a moment. This is a movement. Mm. I want to know what you're going to do for the long term. Mm. I want to know that you are going to have internal fair representation, not just external. I don't want to just see you sprinkle a few black people into your ads. And now you say you support black lives. It's like, you have to be doing more than that. And I, I think my general message to any person who's trying to be an ally is it starts from within. What does your heart posture look like? What what are you what are your what do, what are you changing your mindset to be like right now? And you know, I think that will tell you a lot about the brands that you're working with. You know, they're humans too. Like they're human beings and if they can't feel and can't understand something that I believe is not very complex, is rather simple, um, then I don't need to be associated with them. And and I think, you know, Right now, I've been really stressing building my own in everything that I enjoy doing. So even when it comes to like clothing brands, I used to like partner with a lot of different athletic brands. And now I'm just like, well, I think I'm just going to make my own line because, yes. <laughs> because I'm like, I don't see, you know, these brands, you know, doing things that they're not moving the way that I would like to move. Mm -hmm. And so for me, I'm like, okay, well, I'm not going to just talk about it. I'm going to be about it. I'm always about leading by example. Um, and if you can't figure it out, then I'm going to show you, but I'm just going to be your competition now. So, you know. Right, right. And then you can hire all of these great women that you know as your brand ambassadors, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. And that so I'm curious about the conversations that I'm sorry to uh, harp on this, but the conversation with this, with the sponsors, um, I mean, um, are they sponsors? Yeah. Some sponsors, some brands like athletic brands and things like that. So yeah. Yeah, various brands. Yeah. Um, so, um, so when you look at their leadership too, is it pretty much all white? Are you also, you're having that conversation about who's, who's behind the brand? Not only, yeah, not only yeah. what's in the ads, right? Yeah. There's actually a really awesome, um, 
movement and organization called Pull Up for Change. Um, and you can follow them on Instagram. They literally, I started following them when they had like less than 600 followers. And now I, I have no idea where the number is, but they're definitely um, like pushing the conversation in various brands. They've reached out to people like Nike. They've reached out to Gap. They've reached out, you know, they've got, gone above and beyond to really make brands come to the table and present their, their stats for their representation internally and what they're going to do moving forward. So I really love that uh, that particular organization is holding people accountable. It's holding these brands accountable. And even, you know, now when I have some of those bigger brands reaching out to me, I'll even go to that page for reference and just mm. like, be like, hey, have they presented their numbers? Okay. Have they presented a plan that they're going to put into action for, you know, how the future of their company is going to look? So I do think all of those things are important, but like, I don't think that even I was doing the research prior to now. Um, just because well, I didn't even feel, I didn't feel comfortable and I didn't feel like my voice would matter. Hmm. So um, Ace, you saw her post in April or was it, I think it was April where she, you know, she really was very, very emotional. Did you see that post? Right. Okay. Yeah. And um, I love what she said. I, I just wanted to circle it back to what you just said about emotions. Like you can't really talk about feelings with these brands, right? And she was like, I loved how she said in, in the interview that I did, she was like, well, that, that's, that door just blew open. Now we get to talk about her emotions, right? <laughs> like, like uh, you need to hear the emotions that everybody's been pushing down for, uh, yeah, their entire lives, essentially. I, mean, so. I, think, I think it's important to say, you know, and I think that, you know, depending on their response and their level of support, it'll tell you a lot about the company just on its own, you know? Right, so these conversations have been enlightening for you. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. I've, I've, I mean, honestly, I'm always willing to grow. I'm constantly looking for new ways to improve all the dimensions of my life. In every area of my life, I'm always looking to grow. Um, and so hearing the other side of the conversation and really truly opening up my ears and listening and absorbing what they're saying is teaching me so much about where this world stands. I think a lot of people just don't understand. They just don't, they, they don't get it. It's not that they don't want to get it. It's just that they've, you know, been so far removed and haven't had to face these issues head on. And now it's like right in front of your face. You can't run from it. So you're starting to, un like, you're starting to unveil um, just like anything anyone was ever hiding behind before, you know? Right. And I'm learning that with friends too. It's like, oh, wow, like before it was okay for you just to be like love and peace and joy and we'll hold hands. And like, that's still a great message. I mean, I hold on to that every single day. I hold on to hope and joy and love and peace and all of those beautiful things. But at the end of the day, like, are you actively like standing up for what you believe in? And are you an anti-racist? Mm -hmm. Or do you have racist tendencies, which don't, necessarily make you a racist and I definitely think that it's important for our allies to know or you know newly recruiting allies to know um that it's not about you being an actual racist like an active racist where you are doing hateful things and you are discriminating against people intentionally because of the color of their skin I think that some people have this like 
you know, this privilege that's been buried for so long and these racist tendencies that have been buried for so long that like now the work starts from within. So you just have to take off the covers, take off the mask and face it head on. I think that's where the work truly begins. I think so many people are like, so worried about defending themselves of if they're a racist or an anti-racist that they're missing the point. It's like, you have to start to examine your heart. And this might be difficult for some people that weren't in touch with their emotions and in touch with who they truly are to begin with, but now's the time to get in touch with your true self. And it's not pretty either. Like it's not, it's, it's really not pretty standing up against racism and it's, it's definitely but ugly looking inside at what you you know, the, the racist tendencies that you might have that you're unconscious about. Again, like all that time during the Obama, we just were lulled to sleep. I feel like we've just been lulled to sleep. And, you know, I mean, I'm ashamed. I'm ashamed I didn't raise the bar higher, you know, sooner. I think a lot of us are right. Like that we didn't raise the, Ways the bar higher. I think that's the bottom line and didn't look inside because maybe, and maybe that's why, because raising the bar higher meant you have to look inside and look at the ugly stuff and confront the ugly. Yeah. And that's, that's a difficult process. I think for any human being, I think that, you know, any human can have ugly inside of them. It is very, very brave for you to open up to yourself and face those things head on and really dig deep and find true solutions for changing those things. But I think that, you know, sitting in, what I've, what I've said to a lot of my friends is like, it's okay that you feel ashamed. It's okay that you feel guilty, but don't sit in that. It can be done in that place. No one right. can truly be like conquered in the place of shame and guilt. Cause it's heavy, it's nasty, it's gross. Nobody wants to feel that at all. Right. But that is the start. So like, if you feel that, then you right. know you want to make a change because that feeling is gross and you want to get out of it. So it's like, <laughs> acknowledge that the feeling's there and then rise up out of it. Like, and it could be a fire starter. Make it be a spark that starts the fire that gets you off your ass into action, right? <laughs> um, I'm going to just say from this day forward, I don't need to say aloud that I'm ashamed anymore about it. I am ashamed, you know, so end of story, ashamed, now move on. But um, it's because it's reminding me of Eloquent Rage. Did you read Eloquent Rage by, oh, um, oh my God. Oh, I love is, reading, by the way. So. Oh my God, you have to. And I just read it by, um, I, I, I did, I have to do Audible because I read so much. Uh, I have to read so much and write so much oh that God, I can't I do it. Audible. Okay, I this is. One book going on Audibles and then one book that I'm actually like reading like page to page. Oh my God. Okay. So you must get this book on Audible because I just got chills. It is, first of all, it's not long on Audible. And I think I listened to it in two days because I was so addicted to it because you really, her her name is Brittany Cooper. She is unbelievably brilliant. And it's like, for me, it felt like I I read it back to back with how to be an anti-racist. And I felt like I was at university, right? Like I was like in school, right? And, and they're both like really, really great professors, but she is freaking hilarious. She swears throughout the book. which I love, And because she reads it and the way she reads it is like, she talks, right? I mean, she's such a great writer. God, she's just such a great writer. And so, but somehow 
it, it, like, it's not always that a book is really, really beautifully eloquent right on the page, and then the person can infuse it with all of their personality, but she does that. So it feels like, and that's how eloquent she is, just like I saw her. She took over. The reason I know about her is she took over, remember, past the mic a few weeks ago. Yeah, she um, had yeah. So, so she took over Liz Gilbert's feed and okay. did an hour. And honestly, she didn't miss a single, I was just like, I was, I'm always so blown away when somebody doesn't make a mistake. Cause as you can see, I make mistakes constantly in every single I sentence. Right. Yeah. So, so I'm just always blown away that people can speak so eloquently. Liz Gilbert is the same way. I'm just like, I'm just in awe of what comes rolls out of her mouth. So anyway, things are rolling out of her mouth. And anyway, so the book, you feel like she's just sitting right next to you, like on the couch and just giving you her wisdom, like over the course of several hours. Oh my God, you're going to love it. So anyway, big point that I was trying to make is that in the book she talks about, she is so hilarious. He's like, enough with the lady, the white lady tears, right? Like, like <laughs> I love that. <laughs> She's like, it doesn't really work for me. She's much more eloquent. I'm kind of bastardizing what she said, but but she says white lady tears and it's just so freaking hilarious. Anyway, so it's just like you said, you were saying basically the same thing, you know, like forget the shame and everything, just get into action. And Yeah, I mean, and so much, so much of this, I actually am reading a book right now that like is blowing my mind. It's called My Grandmother's Hands and it's by Resma Menachem. I think that's how you say it, Resma Menachem. And um, it's on Audible, so I'm listening to it. So I'm like getting to take some notes. But like, I found myself just like stopping and listening because he talks about this thing that he that he calls white body supremacy. Have you ever heard of that? No, I'm okay. so reading this book. Thank you, go on. Okay, yes, so <laughs> you have to get it. Um, I actually, one of my friends, Sydney Miller, um, wrote, referred me or uh, recommended this book for me. And I got so excited because as soon as I heard it, I was like, he's like, he basically was like, if this word bothers you or this term bothers you, you probably should stop listening to this book. And I was like, I want to know more. Are you kidding me? Like, tell me more. Um, uh, But he basically just talks about how white supremacy lives in the body. And there's so much that you can't even talk about if you don't talk about addressing the actual physical aspect of it and what lives inside of you. And I was like, "Whoa!" I just got chills. That is wild. Dove into the book. I was like, "Oh my gosh!" And I'm not going to give it away because I I, now that you said you want to read it, yeah, you should. Yeah, but I think it's so powerful that he's talking about like you know this um, this thing that just can't even really be expressed with words. It's like it's embedded in you, right? Like it's in our DNA. Yeah, yeah. And so I'm like, "Oh my gosh!" It's so true because when you look at you know, some of these things that people are saying, like I I was watching, my husband likes to find these like funny YouTube videos and memes and things. And we were watching these people talk at like a Trump rally. And you're like listening to them and you're like, how can that make sense coming out of your mouth? (laughs) (laughs) Aren't you questioning what you're saying? But it's like these people, like, you know, it's something that's like passed down to them, almost like genetics. And it's like living inside of them. So it's like, there's so much work to be done to unlearn all of the behavior, um, just like, you know, the mannerisms and different things that you might not even, even realize that you did, but right. like programmed in you since, you know, before you can actually remember, 
it's something that lives inside of you. So you have to address, you know, the functions of the body and, you know, how this can maybe even form some sort of chemical imbalance inside of you. So it's like, it really, I mean, it's wow. super, super, super deep. Okay. Um, I definitely, if you, if you like to get heavy in, in the things that you read and you like to be challenged, yes. this is definitely a book that will challenge you. Okay, great. Um, but I'm, I'm finding that, you know, a lot of my friends didn't necessarily realize the things that they were saying and doing that could be offensive to me. And it's so interesting now that like the support system that I have around me is so powerful and so full of love that like, even I was, I was with a friend yesterday and we've grown up together. We've like known each other for like almost 20 years. So like, she's like a sister to me. And as I was driving off, she called me and she's like, oh my gosh. She's like, I didn't even realize that I might've said something that was offensive in our conversation, but I'm like, not really sure if you were offended by it. So I just want to like call you and talk it out first. And I was like, whoa, I was like, I didn't even remember that part of the conversation. I'm like, but I love that you called me. And she's like, I just need to be hyper aware right now because I'm trying to unlearn some things and, and deprogram myself so that I can like absorb the right things and like start to move differently. And I was like, yeah, it's an active change. It's like, it's something that's in you. It's something that you have to change from the inside out. It's not something that you can just start saying, like, I'm an anti-racist and like, yeah. you know, same for black people, black lives matter. Like, that's not, it's not even close to enough, you know? Right, right. Um, so what are some, tell us some, tell us some that you're, that some things that your friends say that, that you've had to, and how you, it sounds like you've been actively also talking to them about it, right? Oh, yeah, like, sure. that doesn't really work. I started this thing because uh, I was getting a lot of questions and, and especially through the first week of like, you know, these, uh, this surge of civil rights, I was getting very overwhelmed and I was already very emotional and dealing with a lot of my own personal emotions. And then also my husband's white. He's like tall, blonde hair, blue eyes, man. Um, and I was talking with his family and having lots of conversations there. And so for me, like the, the level in which I could handle like extra emotions stopped at like family. And then like, I still had a bunch of friends that were wanting to support me and reach out and say, what can I do? And so I started this group called the gray area. And basically it's just like an open discussion forum on zoom. We get together once a week. We talk about various topics. Last week, it was vulnerability and coping. This week, we're going to talk about trigger words. And I just want to continue the conversation because there's so much unpacking to do. Conversations that I've like just been having with some of my friends, like, you know, it's simple things. Like when you maybe comment on my hair and like, you know, maybe like pick it up and pull it apart. And you're like saying, this is so cool. And I'm like, oh, if you wear extensions, I'm not doing that to you. Like, I'm like, even if you don't, and it's like, I, I like to wear my hair in very cool, funky styles. I'm sure you've seen like on my page, like all yeah. the funs and things like that. But like, there, there are these like microaggressions that I have let roll off my shoulders for so long that I'm now having to be honest with my friends about. Like, for, for example, when I was a little girl and I was just having this talk with my mom too, because we were talking about trigger words since that's going to be my topic this week and I was like you know mom like I know that I used to like make a big deal when I was little about me having my hair in braids or twists or any sort of protective style and I was like I really didn't like it because when I went to school 
the kids would say to me like, oh, you look like Shanae or like you go girl and like stuff like that. And, and as a kid, you, you can't really like, it, it just feels like bullying, you know, and it makes you upset. Wow. And, and sometimes you don't feel comfortable with speaking up. And it's like something that actually followed me into my adult years where like I would feel self-conscious in certain environments wearing my hair a certain way. And I'm like, why do I feel like that? Like, mm. so I had to do some digging and figure out what that was. And that's where it came from. And if you've ever seen the show, Martin, have you ever seen Martin? Yes, yes. So, you know the character Shanae on there? I, you know, I don't know it well. I've only seen, I mean, I saw it a long, like when it was originally out, that's how old I am. So I, no, I don't remember. I mean, I don't remember the characters are. So it was a girl that Martin played on the show. Oh, oh, okay. Absolutely loved. But she wore braids and, or, or sometimes twists and like her hair would be like in a high ponytail. And she was very sassy and like bold and forward and like in your face sort of. And so for me, like, I never really saw anything wrong with it until I felt like it was being used against me. Like it was being used in a way of like, you know, to belittle me and mm. belittle my character. And so when I did the unpacking and like digging for like why I was feeling that way, I realized that like for a long time when I was going through my dance career, I used to literally overprocess my hair, like straighten my hair, every single day and I wore really long weave now my mm. hair is like super kinky curly like it's not it's not meant to be straight at all so like when I was doing that I was really damaging my hair and like ruining my curl pattern but this was all because I was so self-conscious about mm. like my hair I always thought like oh my gosh I needed to make it look as straight as possible so that I can blend as much as possible with all of these people that I'm that I'm interacting and working with so, yeah, wow. some of those conversations have been about hair. They've been about, you know, just different things that, like, we experience as Black people. And, like, I think, like, I've been able to be very transparent about my level of discomfort. But I also think that there are some things that I'm learning that I wasn't comfortable with um, that I'm now just starting to speak about. So it's still a new process for me, too. I mean, I just think... I've been encouraging my friends by saying, just as much as you're educating yourself and looking within, I'm doing the same. Thank, the reason I wanted to talk to Alicia uh, after that post is the thing that really got me was the um, behaving, you know, and the fitting into, you know, round square peg, round, you know, like trying to fit your hair into white hair, mo your model, right? Yeah. Um, and how, like she said in, in her, her video, how exhausting that is, trying to every single day fit in. I got exhausted even thinking, like for a few days, she was in my head for a few days and I was just like exhausted for a few days, right? Like replaying it in my head because I, it's like I felt all of your exhaustion, the collective exhaustion. When that is a pattern, when you're pushing down yourself and fitting in then then I think that I mean and we all do that to some degree in life right like you have to you want to fit in everywhere you want to belong so we all want to belong so that's like a human thing but feels like you have to do it for survival then you don't even realize it's it's an, it's just an immediate thing like oh yeah push that down oh yeah push that down so is that what's happening like the unwrapping of all of that 
Yeah. I mean, and like not, and I think on top of that, it's like kind of feeling like we're on a time crunch because we don't know how long people are going to allow us to unpack in this way. So like, I think what me and some of my black friends discussed was feeling um, like people were going to treat this like a trending topic. And we just didn't know how long we were going to be trending for. So we're like, okay, right now we're, we're given permission to feel all the feels, but we don't know what that's going to look like in a week, in two weeks, in three weeks. And to be honest with you, this is like an emotional struggle that we may be dealing with for quite some time. None of us know when, when we're going to be, you know, fully okay. And so, you know, I, I've been on like this roller coaster of emotions from day to day. And I think a big thing for me is that I've always had to act like I was strong and like act like I was okay. And so even in the simplest things, when my friends hit me up or family members hit me up and they typically say like, how are you? And with my family, I feel very comfortable saying exactly how I'm feeling. But with anybody else, whether it's somebody I'm working with, a friend, doesn't matter how close the friend is, I am so used to saying, I'm wonderful. I'm fantastic. Mm. I'm great. Like, and even in saying I'm not okay, I feel like I have to have a follow-up with saying, but I'm holding on to hope and joy and love and, you know, all of that. Right, you have to qualify it, right. Yeah, and not just being able to sit in the fact that I'm just not okay right now. And that looks like several different things. Like in this moment right now, I'm enjoying this conversation, so I'm joyful and like I'm smiling, but it doesn't mean that like, I'm not still picking up the broken pieces of my heart right now, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think um, it, it's so important, I think, for allies to also understand that because it's going to take us a moment and we need patience and we need grace and we need you to love on us regardless because right now, you know, we weren't prepared to have to go through this, but we're doing some unpacking and unlearning as well. Um, I think for me is a, my, a good friend of mine, uh, Kimberly Felix, who we actually met on Instagram and then just like grew a relationship through that. But she was saying on her live video the other day, we do not give you permission to use our strength as an excuse. Ah, yes. Oh, yes, Kimberly. Yes, you. Kimberly. Hallelujah. Yeah, that's great. Because it's so true. I mean, like black people are very resilient. We've been through a lot. But we keep, we keep bouncing back. We keep right. being strong. We keep pressing on. And, like, we're going to continue to do that. But that doesn't mean that you can just say, okay, now it's blown over. Now this, you know, this fight has ended. They're doing good now. They're smiling now. They're posting pictures of, you know, them doing fun things with their family now. So they're mm -hmm. good. Right. That's not it. That's right. Not case. That's not the case. We've got a long way to go. And I just right. think that it was so powerful for me um and i've been holding on to that ever since watching her live last week that yeah i'm a strong person i'm a very strong woman and i can bear a lot but at the same time i want i want you know our allies to know and i want other people to know that like there will be moments where we're breaking down and that's where we need your support the most. Yeah, we need to pick up the slack, right? Like uh, when the first protest started happening, I was like, 
I would love it if you guys could sit this out and we could just go protest. You know what I mean? Like you fought enough, let, let the white people go protest. I mean, yeah. you know, there's, yeah. some, but we needed your voices. So that was the inappropriate, that wasn't a solution either, but you know, it's just like, I mean, we, I, I mean, honestly, like there are moments where I'm like, I need to just sit this one out. Like I had that moment this weekend. I was like, good. I just need to take this self care Sunday and Saturday and like be, with myself, be with people that I love, connect back to things that I love to do. Um, and I did that. And That's I, great. That's I, great. I feel, I feel like I can pour out again. And I think that that is important is that I'm taking my time to fill myself back up so that I can continue to pour out because that's what I love to do. I love to give to other people. I was going I wanted to ask you, how are you taking care of your heart? And I think you just answered that question, but are there other ways that you can suggest that people take care of their heart during this time? That, I mean, I love what you said. I've been saying that too. We have to fill up in whatever way you can fill up before you can give back. Cause the giving while you're depleted doesn't, doesn't help anybody. Right. No. And, you know, to be honest with you in the past, like I've, I've definitely felt like acts of service is really what brings me back to life, like doing things for other people. But I've actually been thinking about those acts of service also, you know, being for myself, serving myself sometimes. And I actually really like that I'm adding that to, you know, my roster of things that I love is like giving back to myself. So even things as simple as like, taking a bath and like listening to my favorite playlist or, you know, going for a walk around my neighborhood and breathing fresh air or simply sitting in my living room and doing some breath work and meditation, um, watching movies with my husband and, and eat, eating dinner and enjoying each other's conversation and getting lost in it without our phones or devices. And like, those are things that like remind me that I do have amazing things in my life um, and that, you know, there is hope for our future to continue to be filled with the things that I love. Um, and, and, and then it just fills me back up. Like I said, I think it's very true that you can't pour from an empty cup. Mm -hmm. It's impossible. Um, so, you know, in those moments where I'm really feeling depleted, like the other day when I had that breakdown, that's when I decided like, okay, I'm taking two days off. Like, I deserve that. If nothing else, I, I'm taking these two days off. I'm going to sit with myself. I'm going to sit with people that I love that remind me of love. And I'm just going to let these days flow. And then when I feel like coming back to social media, back to my platforms, then I'll do that. And yeah. this morning, I, I got back on and I felt a little yucky again. And I was like, yeah, I know. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to back up from this. And um, you met Gabby. She's literally... I like, she's more than a manager to me. She literally does like everything, everything with my brand. She like helps to handle. So she's like, yeah, I'll do it for you today. I'll post for you today. And I was like, yes, amazing. Oh, so I like haven't been on social media today either because um, I've been letting her like just kind of take over and post for me. I just needed that extra day. Sweet. Um, yeah. So, so just setting boundaries for myself. I think everyone should be setting boundaries in their life. Um, now more than ever, those boundaries are so important to honor. Um, and that's what I'm doing. I didn't want to bring up your dad until the end of the interview because oh, I just- oh, you, you can always bring up that guy. No, 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 you, you have a great dad, but it's kind of like, you know, it kind of, it colors, you know, colors everything, right? So, so her dad is, she's the daughter of 
the uh, founder of New Jack Swing, Teddy Riley. So you grew up in this very, very incredible, you grew up in an incredible world, right? And then, so I just want to, can you just tell us the story of how you went from, because uh, you, you then started a band, the Riley Band with your sister. So you went from, I just want to, can you just tell us a little bit about the story about how you went from like growing up so entrenched in this amazing, exciting music world. I mean, he was literally, he was such a pioneer. So this incredible world of music. And then now where you are, you are a leader in the world of fitness. So tell it, and, and in transformation beyond fitness. Fitness of the, as we said, kicking, kicking ass in the body, mind, and soul arena. <laughs> I, love I love it, I love it. I will use that intro for years to come because it feels so good. But um, my dad actually uh, played a huge part in the lifestyle that I, I've chosen for myself. Um, we did grow up with an incredible dad, but to us, he was just that, our dad. So like, I didn't really know that he like pioneered a whole like genre of music and whole, a whole era of music actually. Um, I, I had no idea that like my dad was this like superhero of the world because he was just like my personal superhero and like my siblings personal superhero so like you know my, my dad is an amazingly talented genius um but we grew up in virginia beach we grew up um with i would say what i believe to be a pretty normal lifestyle um we did have the privilege of having very nice things but we never really took those things for granted because my mom always remind us, reminded us of where our blessings came from. Um, my mom was like, you know, very grounded and she made sure that we knew that it was important to treat everybody with kindness, to do everything with love. Um, my mom literally gave us more love than I could have even imagined and then piled with my dad's love on top of that. I think that's like why I became this, this individual that was just dying to pour out so much love. Um, but yeah, my, my dad definitely provided a great education for us with getting us into the best schools and allowing us to do multiple extracurricular activities. We literally, I played the violin, the piano. Um, I was classically trained in ballet, jazz, tap, flamenco, lyrical. Um, contemporary hip-hop um, I sang um, and had lots of singing lessons um, did I play did I tell you I played the saxophone did I say that? no you didn't say the saxophone I played the alto saxophone and the tenor saxophone um, I grew up just like having every opportunity possible thrown at my feet but my mom always emphasized do it if it makes you happy if you're passionate about it and if you're having fun and the moment that those things don't apply, stop doing it. Mm -hmm. And I have applied that same advice to the rest of my life. Um, when, when something's just like not feeling good anymore, I'm not doing it. I'm not in it, you know? Um, I think that that lifestyle kind of like gave me this like grounded foundation, this humble foundation that, you know, I had to go and work for everything I wanted. It wouldn't just be handed to me. Uh, my parents always made sure that we knew that it was their money, not ours. <laughs> and so uh, when my sisters and I moved out to LA, I actually moved out here first and then my sisters followed. They're like my little ducklings. and they <laughs> You're the oldest, them. right? You're the first child. Okay. Yeah, I'm the eldest. Um, so they moved out here soon after I did. 
We actually came out here to pursue dance. My baby sister is a makeup artist. And then my sister right underneath me, my half sister is a musician um, and a model. And so my middle sister was also in the dance industry and she like kind of just like trailblazed. She's an incredible dancer, by the way. I'll definitely have to send you her profile so you can see her move. But she was just like blazing trails everywhere, knocking down doors everywhere. And it was funny because she's my younger sister, but when we were dancing and, and, and working with different people in the industry, oftentimes people would be like, oh yeah, you're Tasha's sister, right? <laughs> Uh, she's my younger sister, but yes, I am her sister, nonetheless, you know, um, but we both had incredibly successful careers in dance, and we decided that we wanted to go back to our roots and do music, and so my dad was the first to be like, okay, if you want to do this, you got to see if you're cut out for it, just go, and he literally did not give us any boosts. He did not, like, really give us very much advice even. And he just kind of let us figure it out on our own. So we spent about five years in the music industry, just like creating and working with some incredible teams. And we shot some music videos. We recorded a whole album that didn't end up coming out, but we put out a, a couple of singles and we enjoyed our time doing it, but it taught us a lot of life lessons, especially being out here in LA. It's a different beast than Virginia. Um, it's, it's, you know, it's nothing like what we were accustomed to growing up. And so we learned the harsh realities of what it's like to be an adult and a struggling artist in LA. Um, and then soon after that, uh, when we decided, you know, we didn't want to really pursue music anymore, we kind of all went like our separate ways. And I went back to dance. I was like, I really like never stopped dancing, but I was really more focused on music for a while for those, you know, five years. And then I decided that, you know, dance is my first passion. It's what I have loved all my life. So I'm going to go back to doing that. And then I started to really get in tune with myself um, and understand that I was feeling uh, very small and feeling like I wasn't enough and feeling like I was, I just was incredibly insecure. And I noticed that that came from being, you know, plunged into an industry that was full of rejection, um, that was full of uh, constantly feeling like I had to like change myself and make myself blend in um, in order for me to like get the job or go to the next level in the industry. And I didn't like the feeling. It was gross, it was yucky, needed to get out of it. Um, and that's what landed me into fitness because I wanted to do something that still fed my physical impulses. I always loved taking group fitness classes. I had a trainer myself. Um, I truly enjoyed just like working out, sweating, feeling good. And it brought me the same, I think it brought me the same like joy that dance always did, but it was like a pure joy. It was like, I can, you know, decide how I want my body to feel. I can decide like, you know, how, how intense the movement is. Whereas dance, it's all intense. There's nothing that's not intense about dance. But I, I learned to love my body a lot more through fitness. And so I gravitated to that. I started out as a group fitness instructor and then soon got the opportunity to become a fitness host through Pop Sugar. And now I just consider myself to be like a motivator, a leader. Someone now called me, a couple of people have called me an activist. I don't consider myself to be an activist, but I think I am very active in this. But movement. you are activating 
bodies, minds, and souls, by the way, right? You are an activator activist, right? Yes, yes, yes. I will say I am an activator of the mind, body, and soul, for sure. I will take that title. Um, But wait, how did you, can you tell me about boxing? Because I know you weave in boxing and oh my God, you have the most, you guys, you have to Google her because go look at pictures. Your body is so cool. Like, I just want to be a boxer because of you. Like, you don't box with me. I love boxing. It actually was for me very therapeutic. When I started like learning how to hit mitts and hit the bag and really even just like shadow box, I found myself to be so much stronger than I was. And it was my therapy and my healing to get from the place that I felt like I was in from dance to where I am now. Um, I wouldn't have been able to motivate people in the way that I do if I really didn't do that work. And boxing was a huge component of me getting that work done, that self-work that I talk about so much. Um, but I actually became an amateur fighter last year. I, I got in the ring and, and yeah, and I had my first fight. It oh my God. And crazy. I lost, but it was awesome. Oh my God. It sounds so scary. Was it scary? Yes, it was terrifying. Scary. Oh my God. Can you stop doing that? Cause I'd like you to stop. <laughs> well, I mean, I'm kind of a bit of a daredevil in that sense. So like my next idea is like, I want to go skydiving. My husband's already done it, but I'm like, I've got to jump out of a plane. Like it's got to happen. So yeah, it was like something that I, I set as a goal. I was like, you know, I've been doing a lot of sparring and I really want to just put my skills to the test and see how it, how it is to actually be in the ring. Um, I don't plan on going professional by any means, but I just felt like if I'm teaching people the sport of boxing, I should have an actual experience. I should get in the ring, you know, really like get my feet wet and figure out what this really feels like. And it is, wow. It's like one of the craziest, most invigorating feelings that you ever feel. Like I was so terrified. I wanted to stop after like 30 seconds. I was like, I want this to end right now. But I have to finish this round and I have two more rounds after this and amateur matches three rounds. And I was like, I'm gonna have to push through. And that's where, where you really truly learn the fighter that's inside of you. You really learn perseverance. You really learn how resilient you are because once you get hit, that bounce back, <laughs> that bounce back game has to be really strong. <laughs> like, they're just like, you know, there's, no, I mean, there's nothing that equates to it. You, you really can't, it's a hard feeling to describe what it's like to get hit in the head or the stomach or the chest or really anywhere. Um, but when it happens, you really learn what you're made of. <laughs> Jesus, that is terrifying just even hearing you talk about it because I'm looking at your face and I'm like, oh my God, please don't ever, nobody hit her face. I know, that's but- <laughs> what my mom said. My mom was like, I can't watch. I'm not yeah. gonna watch. I'm not gonna be there, I'm not gonna watch. And I was like, mom, it's fine. It's okay, you don't have to watch. <laughs> oh my God. Um, the other thing is it, it, when you were talking about it, I was like, you know what? that's why you need three-day weekends right now and maybe four-day weekends right now. No, because it's like we're boxing. You're boxing right now, right? You're boxing racism right now. That's a really good metaphor. It's really honestly true. Like, I feel like I am in the ring. I do feel like I've got to, you know, finish this fight. I've got to see it to the finish line. I got to go until the bell rings. And I just want to commend you again for getting in the ring with your brands. Thank you for trying to lead them into the conversation getting you got them in the ring and I know that they beat you up but um (laughs) and that's okay too you know you win some you lose some you're not gonna win every single battle but hey we're in this to win the war not to win the battle 
you're so fun and so inspiring. And I'm, I'm really glad that you are activating and activisting and that you're staying in the ring for us all. And uh, I hope everybody, everybody follow Deja. There are two places that you can follow, follow Deja on Instagram. Yes. On Instagram, you can follow me at Deja Riley and then my fitness page. That's strictly just for like all of my dance out of the box stuff, which is a, a workout method that I created that Bridget mentioned. Um, you can follow me at Deja Riley Athletics. So to spell my name, D-E-J-A-R-I-L-E-Y. And then you just add athletics to that. Um, on YouTube, youtube.com slash Deja Riley. That's where you'll find all of my videos, all of my creations and collaborations. And then you can also check me out on Pop Sugar Fitness. Woohoo! Oh my God. Anything, anything that you wanted to say that I didn't draw you toward? to be able to say. No, anybody who's listening and has, has listened all the way to the end, I want to tell you I love you and I appreciate you. Thank you for listening. Thank you for being open, open and willing to learn more. Um, I just think that it's so important to spread this message of love because it's the only thing that can drive out hate. How amazing is she? Deja Riley at DejaRiley.com, D-E-J-A-R-I-L-E-Y. Follow her on all social media. Oh my God. She's amazing. Wow. What a gift. And if you like this podcast, please go rate, review it, subscribe to it, tell your friends about it. We need more supergirls of love and full, just as Deja just said. Spread the love, spread the word. And if you um, haven't got my book yet, Super Have Love, Heal Your Broken Heart, and then go save the world, this is a really great time to read it. We all need to heal the wounds inside our heart, whether we're in a relationship or not in a relationship. It's a it's a good it's a good thing to focus our mind on right now, clearing our hearts so we can love, love, love even more. Thanks for coming, superhero.